We are back with another episode of Black Girls Vibe. Andrea, how are you doing this week, my friend? Hey there, I'm doing all right. It's been a you know another busy week that, but they seem to start off a little slow, and then by Wednesday it's like boom weekend. Yep. <laughs> here we are, and here we are getting ready to to do it all over again. Right. Uh, and let's go ahead and hop into it. I mean, you are at the epicenter of the sports world this weekend. And perhaps the uh, also correspondingly the episode center for COVID breakouts. Uh, <laughs> with um, your city's hosting of the All Star Game today, this evening. Yes, yes. yes. And so, as obviously they've kind of condensed, uh, they've gotten rid of some of the activities that would span the weekend. And so, as I understand it, and, and you may have a better handle on this than I do, but they'll, they'll still have the skills challenge. They'll have the three point challenge. And I heard just earlier today that the dunk contest will actually be, I think during halftime of the game. Yeah. I was trying to figure yeah. out when that was going to happen, but yeah, mm -hmm. that was the latest that I heard too. Cause I didn't yeah. see it in the lineup for all the pregame. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like with this new format, uh, we started talking about a little bit of this uh, the last time we met up, but um, uh, I am curious, <laughs> I know what my take is. I'm curious your take in is on um, what, your what your take is on um, the HBCU angle of this, uh, specifically um, the the heightened amplification of HBCUs in the context of this particular all-star game being held on this particularly unusual set of circumstances. Uh, any yeah. reaction to that from you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about, like you said before, just with um, really over the past year, but definitely specifically to the NBA, the focus that the HBCUs have received, um, which like we both know um, how valuable they are as institutions, long-standing reputation that they have. Um, but now that they're more, coming more prominent, I guess, to um, the, I guess, beyond uh, individuals typically attend them, great. My whole thing is just as it relates to the NBA is like, why now? Um, I do recognize with the all-star game being in Atlanta, Atlanta has um, a very strong HBCU community with the Atlanta University Center. Um, so we do have a good number of HBCUs in the city. Um, I just, you know, just given the circumstances of the environment that it that we're in, and how we are being impacted with with the pandemic, um, just the equity across the board and how we're impacted um, with contracting it, um, the results of, because a lot of us minorities uh, have those underlying health conditions where we can be impacted more. And then on the vaccination side of things, just the equity there, um, you know, Still have issues with Star Game being played in Atlanta for reasons I'm sure we'll get a little bit more later. I just find just the timing of it just 
again, like the why now, because there are certain things you could do and and focus on and bring it, bring attention to the HBCUs outside of this moment, because it's something that, again, they have a longstanding history. We've seen a lot of um, prominent individuals and know the success stories that come out of HBCUs. So highlighting them great to bring them more on the national and international stage. Don't think this was the time to have that focus on HBCUs in the pandemic. But yeah, that's I, not your I, sense. what's your yeah. take? I mean, I, I tend to agree. You know, I'm uncomfortable with the notion, the feeling that HBCUs, like the highlight on HBCUs, is a way like to provide cover and 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 justify the decision to move mm-hmm. forward with with uh, the All Star Game under these circumstances. I mean, it's a it's an interesting moment where you know, like these HBCUs are being amplified in this way by the NBA, but like uh, it's also been an opportunity to underscore and amplify the fact that not many HBCU black players, basketball players end up in the NBA. So, you know, um, like, and to me, that's more of a, you know, that, that is, is the NBA uh, has an opportunity uh, if it's going, if it really wants to help HBCUs and, and their athletic programs, then it needs to also explore as a part of that, like uh, why the pipeline is so weak from HBCU basketball programs into the NBA. Uh, and unless and until, yeah. no, like, that's a good point. Very good point. Like you start addressing, you know, that piece. It you know it it could come across as feeling like window dressing. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, to me, this brings on a bigger a conversation about just how far are uh, members of management and owners of teams and uh, and leagues like how far are they willing to go around this this like equity piece? Like have amplifying HBCUs is great. But like, how far are you willing to go to change your own uh, processes and systems to uh, like truly do the work to uh, bring more folks, more graduates from HBCUs, more HBCU athletes into your organizations, uh, either as players, or players, employees, I guess they're all employees, but like that, that's, you know, if we start talking about where the work is, that's where the work is to me. Yeah. Yep. I totally uh, agree. Yeah. 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 But in the meantime, it's great. It's great uh, that, that HBCUs are having this moment through the NBA, you know, when, when uh, prior to COVID uh, uh, when there would be those games where the, the, the big power five school would play in HBCU and the big thing would be about the exposure piece. And you know, exposure is great, but how are you leverage? How are how can HBCUs leverage that? And so, I have a similar question for this particular moment: is the exposure is great, but what what's next? What's the strategic plan to like truly use it to jump to the next level of whatever you're trying to do is? And right. so, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that HBCUs are are planning planning around that. You know, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing with like uh, with uh, Deion Sanders coaching at Jackson State. Like that, that's mm-hmm. a great opportunity. But like, 
what's the plan like for app, then what? Right. Like if, if this is a one-off, then will have, will it have been sufficiently leveraged? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hopeful that with regard to the NBA, that a part of its commitment, it's, it's seemingly renewed commitment to HBCUs really does involve them doing the work around what equitable inclusion of HBCU grads and their organizations, uh, what that might look like. Um, yeah, so uh, this Team LeBron and Team um, KD, Mm-hmm. They had their they they selected their players the other day, and you're gonna forget. Please forgive me because I can't tell you. I can guess at LeBron's starting five. Uh, 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 LeBron, Giannis, is Jokic. Jokic. I'm like Steph and one more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I can't I'm tell. Like, you. Mm-hmm. And I only know I only know those because I saw the clip of Giannis being told like he he wasn't aware that he that he was like first drafted on the squad number one. He wasn't he didn't know okay. what was. But the most memorable part of of the whole clip was the fact that Giannis was unabashedly gnawing on a chicken wing while the. <laughs> <laughs> Like, That's great. Literally, like the tip is like hanging. Like he's like got the legit chicken wing, like with the tip. Like, like and he's like, like okay. really? That that's the team? Wow, that's great. That's you know. And but he's just killing this chicken wing. So that's the, that was the most memorable part, and that's why I can't tell you who all is starting with him because I was so enthralled by his management of the chicken wing. So of the chicken wing. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. And you know, clearly, I I know what I know. Kawhi is on Team Durant, and that's clearly you know that. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I'm, I'm no help either. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't tell you who's on KD's team. Uh, and I was. Um, I should have. I meant to look this up. Uh, but there is. There's a rule. Is it like? There's a rule in the twenty fourth. Oh Lord. <laughs> there's a rule in the fourth quarter. Is it that, and I'm, goodness, I may have this wrong. I may have to look this up while we talk about it. Is it like at the beginning of the fourth, whichever team has the most points, they add 24 points to that. And like, it's a race to the finish to get to that number. The team that gets to that number wins the game. And 24 24 as homage to Kobe. Right, right. That's what I recall. Um, okay. Well, I do remember that they were playing to something um, related to Kobe in the fourth. I just what I hadn't read too much about what it was because I, I might be getting my I might be now confusing because everything runs together. <laughs> oh, it so runs together. It so runs together. Oh yeah. No, it's fine. Like, did they do this before for something else? Like, I, but I don't remember now what it was. So, yes, <laughs> yes, that is what they're doing. <laughs> so you know that that's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, uh, and it it feels like, my goodness, like that. Um, 
last year's all-star game was in Chicago, which as I recall was like a pretty cool, like it was the first all-star game in a while that I actually like engaged and watched. But that feels mm -hmm. like that was not last year, but I guess it would have been February of 2020. I know. That's before. why I'm like, did they do this? A similar format before? And so, okay. So then I, I am right. That's what I'm thinking about then. Because mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. All-Star yeah. game last year would have been before. Before, before every, okay, just a few weeks before everything collapsed. Yeah. So yep. yeah, okay. they did it before. Yeah. Uh, so um, we, I mentioned Kobe and I, unrelated to All-Star game. What are your thoughts around the logo being changed? Uh from um, Jerry West silhouette to Kobe's. So it's like, there's so many, I kind of go back and forth with it because mm -hmm. while I acknowledge um, that Kobe was a great player, one of the greatest of his time um, and the impact he had on the game, I start thinking about other players as well um well just is that i guess maybe more so is that the right tribute in essence to him and i i haven't quite landed on a yes or no um mm -hmm. i just go back and forth um you know i so i guess the short answer is I don't really have an answer because <laughs> I have answer. feelings on both sides right now. Yeah, and, and yeah. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a timely question just because, you know, the ever mercurial uh, Kyrie has, has raised, you know, is, has raised it just in the last few weeks. Um, I, you know, my only question around it is I may, I may be indifferent about it, but my question is if, if Kobe hadn't been so tragically and unexpectedly killed, would we be asking this question? Right. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's my only, that, that's the only kind of question I have is like, um, why, why now, you know, if it's only because Kobe just died and you want to find a, a way to tribute him, this could be one way, but there are also other ways that you could show tribute. So, yeah. uh, do I think that it's time to have a conversation around the silhouette changing? Probably. Uh, but yeah, I you know I I you know my my sense is that perhaps Kobe is the focus of you know being the next man up on that because because of his passing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but I guess we'll see. We yeah. shall see. Yeah, uh, it's, it's still crazy to believe that it's been a year um, since that happened. But I guess it's crazy to think in a lot of ways we're coming up on a year of, you know, marking time for a lot of I remember wins. But yeah. It, yeah, it's. Um, or I yeah, know I, I love wins. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, it is crazy to think that we've been in, in this for a year. Uh, uh, and, you know, in some ways, like it felt like it flew by and in other ways, like it felt like it was just dragging, you know, mm -hmm. um, remember what, la like how long last March felt? Oh my gosh. It, like, it was, it was like, <laughs> like a year in a month. 
in, in 30 days, in 31 days. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 But I guess just from, um, you know, all the different, just recognizing we're now with March 7th and I, it's like, I always, since we were so close, I don't like to, to bring it up, but like, it's like, you were on the- like shaking because I know where you're going. <laughs> Like we were coming up, you know, a few weeks away from the March Madness. I know, I I know, I'm sorry. And then, but then this week with certain days marks time when, you know, when we were having the NBA games and they started canceling or canceled those yep. games at night yep. and the NBA suspended the season. So yep. those conversations, you know, like the end of last week and this weekend have started to come started up and up. Yeah. You know, just yeah. yeah, refreshing my memory as to, oh, we're close to where thing where like the world shut down just sure. a few days removed from that. Sure. But specifically with the NBA being, I guess, the first um, mm-hmm. major professional sports to just like, OK, we're done. Let's let's. Well, yeah. Let's I mean, that's, right. yeah. that's a great point. So that uh, that. Um, abrupt ending to the sports world if you went if you will started on the night of March 11th uh last year so we are 4 days away from that 1 year anniversary and yeah. and the NCAA well no I don't know that we were even in I don't think we were in NCAA action we were in conference tourney week right 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 and the next day and the SEC tournament, I think started that Wednesday. Mm-hmm. The next day, like they shut down that tourney, like mid game, I think, I think. Uh, I and, think then so the, and then the rest was history. We started getting notifications about ticket refunds. And, uh, yeah. That, that, Oh Yeah. That's why I said I didn't but, want to bring it up. But I remember, I remember being up. so hopeful, like, girl, they they gonna find a way to work this out for our good. Like, we're gonna go to right. this. And then I was like, nah, y'all not going. Like, no, we're not going. <laughs> nope, not going. So not going. I, I still I'm still claiming that we have a final four championship in our futures. We do. It's just a matter of what city. Um, and which year, but uh, we will be at a final four. I kind of feel like Atlanta should get another shot at the apple. I mean, I know that's complete bias and wishful thinking on my part, but I mean, they got the raw end of the deal. Like, you know, the, the tournament that they actually bid for and pursued and got, they don't get to move forward with because of COVID and the all-star game. They actually want no part of. (laughs) 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 so you know <laughs> gotta get atlanta a break y'all are ca- killing it like y'all are catching it man for real for real um oh, uh, and I, I saw that there were like maybe 45 un- unsanctioned parties uh going on and that and that the nba had been issuing cease and desist letters to party promoters did you see that and I'm yeah, like, I did. All you can tell them to do is cease and desist using your um, your intellectual property. Like you're not, right. you can't 
you know, you don't have the authority to tell them to cease and desist from having their event. You do have the authority to, to, to tell them to cease and desist from uh, suggesting that their event is connected to or sanctioned by the NBA. But I don't know. I just thought it was a little inauthentic and disingenuous. <laughs> like, why bother? Like, you knew these parties were going to happen. Right. Like, we talked about that. And, and it, it, like, you're telling them to take, you know, Jerry West off, <laughs> off their party flyer. Uh, doesn't really move the needle. I mean, if you did, if you didn't want them having parties, you shouldn't have brought the All Star Game to Atlanta. Like that, that should that should have been the, that should have been the cease and desist. But once you decided to do it, you had to know this this would happen, and it does not make you a better corporate, you know, uh, citizen <laughs> that you sent the cease and desist letters. <laughs> You know, true good corporate yeah, citizens. The parties will go on. <laughs> All right. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Because people were traveling. People yeah. were traveling to yeah. Atlanta. Well, first of all, they never stopped traveling. But to the extent they were coming for this weekend because of the parties, folks really don't care whether they're NBA sanctioned or not. They're parties. And, you know, I don't matter I don't, if NBA anything was on that flyer. And I do think that the the NBA exercises enough control over its employees that those who those uh, who are who are over there thinking they're going to meet a celebrity, I'm not sure those celebrities will be NBA players. Like I don't know that. Uh, I mean, especially after like you know, Lemon Pepper Lou's unfortunate situation during the last season. And, and you know that little trip to Atlanta. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think NBA players are going to be out and about like that. Now, uh, other celebrity athletes, I probably, yeah, but it won't be the NBA crowd. Uh, yeah, because they're still very much I, in season. Right, and I think uh, most, a lot of them, anyway. Um, especially LeBron was very vocal about not playing. You know, want to do it for reasons we talked about for you know yeah. rest and. It's COVID, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and a few other reasons. But yeah, I I, I agree. It's it's the else outside of current NBA players who will be there. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing with, um, you know, Adam Silver when he was talking about, you know, stay home, watch the game, that there will be no NBA sanctioned. Okay, but it's still Atlanta. And there's still whoever else will be here or who's already here. Celebrity wise, that's the draw. The game is just something that's going to bring people here, more people, um, because the, and people are tired of being home. And we have very lax restrictions um, for COVID. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me the number of parties. But taking you know, the NBA sanction, okay, that's <laughs> it's not stopping anything. Mm -hmm. Commission, if that if that helps you feel better, go for it. But it was really not yeah. going to stop these parties from getting off. And so, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh -huh. I've said it on the page. I'll say it here on this podcast. I, you know, we need all of our AT aliens to be safe out there. So, if if that means hunkering down this weekend, uh, then yeah, need you to do that. Um, yes. And, so, and this one did. <laughs> I, I, I figured as much, friend. Uh, 
Um, March Madness, speaking speaking of um, coming up on a year and things that typically happen in March, like we're moving forward with March Madness this, this year, uh, all, going, all going to take place on the men's side in uh, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And I think on the women's side, all taking place in San Antonio, uh, somewhere in Texas, I'm pretty sure San Antonio. Um, none of, you know, none, well, I won't say none. Teams that have historically been uh, a given to be in the tournament and to go deep into the tournament, you know, there are questions around whether they will even make the tourney. Uh, and when, and by teams, I mean like UNC and Duke. <laughs> still both unranked? Is that still, correct? Still both like majorly unranked Duke. Uh, I mean, UNC did beat Duke last night for what it's worth. Uh, uh, there are some projections that Duke may, you know, Duke may be one of those like four play-in teams. Oh, wow. <laughs> just, just go ahead and send me. <laughs> just take me. Just send me. Oh, seriously. Like, even... Oh, so, you know, and some projections have UNC like in 10th, but nah, I mean, neither one of them is doing particularly well. Uh, but, you know, this is the opportunity for the Villanovas, the Gonzagas, the Baylors, Michigan, uh, Ohio mm-hmm. State. I'm just trying to rattle off, you know, some of the top 10 teams, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and ACC doesn't, you know, isn't in the in the in the top ten rankings. There's not an ACC team in the top ten rankings. The first ACC team in the rankings is Florida State at eleven. I mean, can you unreal. imagine? Can you like? <laughs> yeah, like that just shows you where we are as a world right now. <laughs> like, that is so both, unreal. I mean, we've had seasons where Duke, you know, had an off season. We've had seasons, obviously, where my squad has had an off. But for them to be not only bad, but like historically so. And, you know, the same has kind of been going on with Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all these, you know, historically successful and well-regarded programs, just like, you know, I don't, and, and, and who knows how much of that is some is connected to COVID, right? Like. That's true. Yeah. No, that's a good point too. Uh, you uh, know, I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I know how hard it's been for me to, uh, stay focused on things. Uh, and, and, and for me, the things I do don't involve like physical activity. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, I can only, I can only imagine what it's like for those young men and the pressure, the travel, it's just a lot, the restriction, the restrictions on their lifestyles. Like Mm -hmm. I, I just can't, I can't imagine. I mean that, that any kind of, of, of basketball season has gotten off on any level is kind of a miracle. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know what it would be like to be on campus just alone, just trying to get the studying done and participating in any type of athletics and trying to be maintain your, your competitive level uh, while all of this going on with, you know, having the extra thoughts in the back of your mind. Like, you know, I, I, Fortunately, or at least though, you know, they have whatever 
parameters for them to try and maintain some level of safety through all of this, but to still be able to show up and, um, you know, want to participate and, and see it through um, speaks a lot just with all the other distractions going on. Um, so yeah, this is a materially different season. So what I hear you saying is that even if Duke or UNC make it through the play-in, I don't have to worry about them being a Cinderella. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> because Duke historically has ruined my bracket. If I don't select them to win, then yeah, no, here, here I mean, and then if I, mean, I do, they're I mean, out before the 16. So this one, I don't have to really consult, consult with Lamar, but no, nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Duke doing that deep. <laughs> and, and let me be clear. <laughs> so don't I even have, select Duke into playing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have UNC going that deep. So like, it's just a, it's a mess all around. <laughs> oh, uh, but you bring up a good point well, about yeah. like, <laughs> the players having all these things on their minds, and I, you know, there have been just a few things that have popped up on on the news, and I, you know, we've been sharing them on the page, just a little um, indicators of the environment that players are, you know, football and basketball players at the collegiate level are having to kind of uh, live in and like manage. Um, just this week. The coach at Creighton, uh, Coach McDermott, uh, making an impassioned plea for, you know, players to stay on the plantation is a part of a rallying cry, I guess, to get them to play in a more motivated or aggressive way. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been suspended. Um, and so, you know, there, there's that. There are the boosters at Texas who are insistent on, uh, 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 I don't know if we want to call it a fight song, but a song called The Eyes of Texas that's grounded in minstrelsy and, and Confederate themes um, that's played uh, at every Texas football game. Black, black players have voiced uh, concerns about it and don't want to have to uh, sing it or be on the field while it's being sung by others. And boosters are threatening to take away like their, you know, their mm -hmm. nice checks. And to kind of insist that these young black men subject themselves to this, um, and so you know that you know the the student athletes find themselves in that climate too, uh, yeah. and figuring out how yeah. to navigate it. Um, and as I understand, it with regard to Texas, like Sarkeesian has has at least prelim preliminarily stated, "Oh yeah, the players will sing the song." So. Perhaps there's a teachable moment or opportunity uh, coming down the pike for Sark uh, because maybe he doesn't understand. Maybe he doesn't quite understand uh, why the players feel the way they do. So, yeah, just good luck to all the players, you know, going through um, that are going to be participating in March Madness in some way. I know that one of our favorite uh, athletes, uh, Don Staley, head coach of the South Carolina game women's Gamecocks. She is yes. actually, and I'm looking it up right now because uh, I want to be sure to get the other uh, uh, coach's name, right? She's playing uh, in the SEC women's tourney uh, against another black woman coach, uh, which has to be, which has to be a first time 
for that. Like I, I can't think um, of another yeah, occasion. I'm sure. Uh, I can't think of another occasion on which that's happened. Um, is it Joni or Johnny Taylor? Joni, Johnny, Johnny. Johnny. I tell you, Johnny. And I was going to say while you were looking it up, um, you've been uh, sharing some really fascinating and interesting either historical um, events for black women that have gone unnoticed and off the radar and even some current. So to your point, like we're still in this moment of first. So I'm yeah. sure it is a first, which is just like as so much as we have accomplished. Yeah. It just says like, we're still having these firsts in sports, but it's just, um, so yeah, I don't doubt that it that it is. <laughs> no, it's the first. I, I don't have to look it up. It's the first. Like I, I yeah. just in my bones, I know that's the case. And yeah, I mean, you're right. The fact that we're having to like we're still having to acknowledge these first. And I saw a little, uh, you know, a little chirping on um, I don't know which sports sites Facebook page, but um, about the first the first black female NFL referee. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was something we posted on the page. And like, you know, somebody went into the whole, you know, why is this even news? Like, da, 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 da. And it's news because the league is 101 years old. Right. <laughs> right. Like, just let that sit for us. Just let that sit with your spirit. Like, the league right. is 100 years old. The league had its first black coach actually in its first year, you know, Fritz Pollard. And then it was a smooth, oh, my math is hard, can be horrible. It was a smooth 60 or so years before they had another coach of color. There are currently, I can't tell you how many coaches, the black coaches there are in the NFL right now. Yeah. <laughs> very few, very head few. Co head coaches head we coaches. know, but yeah, it gets, yeah. once you yeah. get to all the assistants and positions, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, a, so few. A, a first black woman referee is a big deal. It, again, yeah. a, a, 101 years. So that's why it's important, like that it took that long. It mm -hmm. should not be, but it absolutely is and will continue to be. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just how this country's kind of set up, you know? Um, uh, and and oh, I'm not going to say that. I'll just keep that little in my pocket. Uh, okay, just hold it. When we... <laughs> just... I'm going to come back to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, you offer kind of a, a perfect segue for someone that, to your point around um, some of the some of the black women who've been highlighted over the course of you know these first few days of Women's History Month. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Wyoming Atias because I know a number Please of our I, I know a number of our followers on Facebook. You know, it was their first time learning of her um, or, or knowing her about her accomplishments. Um, and you know, she comes out of this tradition of um, like dominant uh, track and field programs at HBCUs, right? And back in the day, you had like Tuskegee Institute. Uh, FAMU, mm -hmm. Tennessee State University, uh, Fort Valley State University, all like cultivated starting in like the 30s and 40s, these very strong women's track and field programs. You know, at a time too, like HBCUs uh, actually admitted high school students 
uh, so you could get your, you could complete your high school degree. And then if you so chose, you know, to apply and matriculate, continue on at that same institution. Uh, mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, that's what uh, Wyoming Atias did. Uh, although she was from uh, Georgia. Uh, and she was coached by the venerable uh, Ed Temple, as was Wilma Rudolph. So she comes out, mm -hmm. she comes from this strong tradition. So she she had to perform and produce because she came from a line of producers, you know. Um, and so she's, you know, the first black, she's the first, she's perhaps the first American to like successfully defend their gold medal at the Olympics. So she won the 100 meter in Tokyo in 64, unexpectedly. Her, her, her fellow Tiger Bell, uh, Edith McGuire, was actually expected to win it. And then so she goes to Mexico City in 68. That's almost a tongue twister. Um, right. <laughs> Mexico City in 68. Um, to defend it and, and successfully uh, does it, uh, defends it there. But, you know, that also happens in the backdrop of the iconic moment with Tommy. Right. And I always, I, because their names sound like, sound like uh, first and last names, like I always, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And, and, and Peter Norman, the Australian who was the ally on that platform with them. Uh, the backstory on that is that she, um, she and other, the, the other, Tiger Bell track and field members and, and, and other black women collegiate athletes at the time were sort of included in the conversations that Eddie Edward Harry, uh, Harry Edwards' Olympic Project for Human Rights was having around the prospect of protesting the 68 games. You know, they, mm -hmm. wanted, they wanted known racist Avery Brundage ousted as chair of the Olympics. They wanted blacks on the, U the USOC um, committee, um, or rather the USOC. Uh, and, you know, they, they wanted to, you know, they were making those types of demands. And if those demands weren't met, they were encouraging these athletes to protest and not, and boycott the Olympics. Obvious, but ultimately they ended up leaving it to individual athletes to decide what they wanted to do. Most of them did go. Uh, the, right. the, the most notable one who didn't was Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. Uh, but those conversations that were being had by the Olympic Project for Human Rights didn't really include, like, notify the women athletes that those conversations were having, but weren't like weren't equitably inclusive of them. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the, their charge, uh, the organizations or the groups charge, was really around seeking equity specifically for like black men first, mm. and yeah. then you know, right? So. What what voice could black women have had in that space? Uh, but nonetheless, you know, and, and Coach Temple uh, encouraged his, depending on how you want to frame it, you know, encouraged his players, his athletes to participate in the, Olymp the Olympics, discour and, and discouraged them because he did both, encouraged their participation and discouraged them engaging in political discourse. You know, like they should be respect respectable young ladies and, you know, that line. So Tyus goes, she's a very quiet person, you know, keeps to herself. Uh, but when Tom, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, you know, win the medals, are on the platform, 
give the the signal and or wear donning black socks or whatever, and you know get ousted from the you know the Olympic Village or told to to go mm-hmm. home like are kicked off, no longer competing. She has a relay race the next day, and in a form of protest and support of them, uh, she dons black shorts. She wins the race, and, but dons black shorts, which weren't a uniform, like which weren't standard issue for the team. So that was, and she made clear in the presser after her win, like this, you know, this is for them. Uh, but we don't talk about right. Wyoming Atias and and our form of protest at the '68 Olympics. Uh, and and it's no wonder that even like folks like us who consider ourselves like you know sh- you know sports fans and 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 who kind of know about black athletes throughout you know american history like she's very much an unsung hero in that space and she was really the first black uh track and field star woman black and tr- track and field star to be able to go on and compete professionally you know usually like the you know the alice coachmans who was, the fir- who was the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal at the London Olympics in 48. Like they competed collegiately and then had to go find jobs that, mm-hmm. outside, you know, that was, that was when they ceased participating in sports. Well, you know, Wyoming Atias has the benefit of coming up in the time and coming of age and reaching like employability age uh, at a time, like the women's movement is starting to bubble up in the seventies. Right. And so with it, opportunities for women increase. And one of the areas in which they increased was in track and field with the creation of the uh, International Track Association. So she competed in that organization for the three years it existed and, you know, kicked butt and took names there and like amassed all these records, some of which weren't broken for, you know, decades after she set them. Uh, So that's my very (laughs) brief yet long winded um, ode to Wyoming Thomas. And, you know, let's, let's try to do, let's try to do this more, right? Let, like, let's try to, because of our, our mission and our charge with what we're doing here, like, let's have that conversation more around, uh, unsung black women athletes. Yeah, no, I have the, the um, history lesson and, and all of that and the education, um, uh, because it's important point one off of Black History Month with us being in women history, Women's History Month and knowing that we are as Black women achieve all of these first. And one thing that you said, well, it was many things, but one thing that I no, but it was all interesting though, because in our article when you posted, I was like, how do I, how, how have one heard of this woman? just name alone. So that off the top, but then know the story. Um, so it is important to, to put that information out there that we were still in this time. Like we talk about being the double minority, Uh um, what she did as subtle as it was with just, you know, not wearing the, it was still a push in the movement. And so it took me to fast forward to how we've talked about specifically with women athletes, but WNBA players, we've mm-hmm. seen the, the, the women's soccer really be like pushing the forefront of the social justice. Uh, it's not the men, it's the women.
are really mind us to, um, you know, being on their shoulders and advancing the social justice movement. However, the protest um, looks, be it, you know, as subtle as the attire that we're wearing or we're having support of a, of a politician um, to, you know, everything in between and, and even beyond from a, a verbal standpoint. So that's, that's kind of what it was like, I guess at that time, what I equate to um, the shut up and, and dribble, but the kind of shut up and run in essence, like yeah, be this yeah. woman and go out there and do this thing that you are here to do, which is to run this race but be cute and pretty and do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and don't, right. You know, that's, yeah. Be, res- be respectable, right? Like it, right. <laughs> be respectable. Uh, and, and, you know, she, she is, you know, we stand on her shoulders and we, she's still alive. So yeah. we should absolutely be giving her her flowers while she, while she can sniff and enjoy them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll um, make it a con- concerted effort to share more info like that, a good primary uh, source uh, for her and a, and, a, and a handful of other black a- uh, women athletes is uh, Jennifer Lansbury's A Spectacular Leap. And okay. so you get pretty thorough uh, biographical sketches ab- about her, about Wilma Rudolph, about Oral Washington, about Flo Jo uh, and Jackie Joyner Kersey. So yeah, I mean there there there's some there's some good source material out there, but it's few and far between, and you have to know where to look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, she's Wyoming Atias is the woman, and uh, we should talk about her more for sure. Um, friend, we're coming up on the hour. Uh, you have anything uh, we you feel like we've missed or need to cover? Uh, no, I I tell you, um, she's a great way to really kind of close out just, you know, all the celebration of, of this good black girl magic that's, that has been out there (laughs) that yes, keep, keep, um, keep doing and pushing with all these first, because we know where we are marking these first, there, there are more to come. Um, So to me, that's an excellent way um, to really, to close us out and to end. Great. Well, that's just what we're going to do. Good people, we want to thank you guys for joining us on this uh, ride yet again. We will be back in two weeks, and uh, we should be in the middle of March Madness by then. Uh, in fact, I think that Selection Sunday is next Sunday. So, yeah. and I suppose we'll be doing our, for what it's worth, we'll be doing some type of bracketology uh, on our side of the house. So, be on the lookout for that. We appreciate you all continue to rock with us. Check us out. We primarily get down on Facebook, but we're also on Twitter and um, Instagram, all at just Black Girls Vibe. And on Facebook, it's Black Girls Vibe Tribe. So we will see you guys in two weeks. And in the meantime, stay safe and have a good one. See ya.